Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Tonight, I want to talk to you, a final talk, on the blood of Jesus. And how many of you, like this is, this is one of the first times that you've heard us talk on that subject, several. I want to kind of lay a little bit of a foundation and then we're going to look at some stuff that we haven't looked at and look at some stuff in a little bit different light. But Romans 5 verse 25 says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Other translations say a sacrifice or a mercy seat through faith in his blood. Now, a lot of times we talk about having faith in God. We talk about having faith in Jesus. We talk even about having faith in the name of Jesus. But the Bible instructs us to have faith in the blood of Jesus. That his blood paid for you and me and was our sacrifice. Uh, when it says that it's a mercy seat, it literally is talking about when the high priest would go in and put the blood on the mercy seat and obtain forgiveness for the people. So it's through his blood that there is forgiveness for you and for me. But now it's not just forgiveness. We've been redeemed. We've been bought, brought back or bought back to God by the blood. We've been sanctified, the Bible says, by the blood. That means literally that God has taken you and he has set you apart for a special purpose by the blood. We've been made kings. We've been made priests because of the blood. So there's so many things that the blood of Jesus has done for us. And the Bible tells us we need to have faith in the blood. And because faith is dependent on knowledge, you cannot have faith in what you do not know about. That's why we're talking about the blood of Jesus. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, but you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So Cain kills Abel, and God said, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. And what his blood cried out was for vengeance. But Jesus' blood is speaking. Now, Jesus' blood is in heaven. It's on the mercy seat that is in heaven. The book of Hebrews talks about this, how Jesus took his blood into heaven, put his blood on the mercy seat. And his blood is speaking right now. Literally, God is in the presence of blood 24-7, 365. In front of his throne, literally, is the blood. And it's crying out and it's speaking for you. And it says, God, have mercy, forgive them, accept them, bless them, heal them, provide for them, give them righteousness, give them peace, give them joy, give them deliverance, anoint them, give them favor. Jesus' blood is speaking for you and for me. Now, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, in verse 10, literally talks about the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly accusing you. And the Bible then says in verse 11, 
and they overcame him. That's the accuser of the brethren, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So how do we overcome? By the blood and the word of our testimony. In, in fact, literally, there is no overcoming victory without faith in the blood of Jesus. So before we, we jump into where I, I want to get, I want to continue to lay a little bit of a foundation about the blood of Jesus and what it's done. Now, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed. Now, to be redeemed literally means to be bought back from a, a place or a condition with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. So we were bought back. In fact, literally, God bought us. He owns us. The Bible says, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. And the price that you were bought with is the blood of Jesus. So what I want to talk to you tonight about is about how to plead the blood of Jesus. Now, most people that use the term, it's kind of like a rabbit's foot. Kind of a lucky thing. You know, things are bad. I plead the blood. If, if that's how you're using that term, it's kind of more like a rabbit foot than it is anything else. It is very, very scriptural to plead the blood when we understand what it means. In fact, uh, the verb of to plead is literally to conduct a legal case. Remember, we have an accuser. We have an accuser. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. As a noun, it's to dispute, to be in controversy, or a case at law. There's a difference between the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it literally says this in Psalms 119, plead my cause and redeem me. So people went to God and said, God, plead my cause. Redeem me. Buy me back. Lamentations 3. You have pleaded the case for my soul. And you have redeemed my life. And people went to God and, and God pleaded their case. Uh, Proverbs 23, 11. For their redeemer is mighty and he will plead their cause against you. In the Old Testament, people went to God and God himself did the pleading. In the book of Jude, how many, you, the little book right before the book of Revelation, now it refers back to an Old Testament situation. Moses has died and it says this, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed or fought about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So, so we don't have time to talk about all the, the ins and outs of this, but Moses has died and there's literally a fight over his body. And, and it's very significant because of what happens in the New Testament. But when Michael, the archangel, is coming against the devil, fighting for the body, he says, the Lord rebuke you. Things have changed, and I've mentioned this a little bit this morning, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we find Jesus. He confronts the devil. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. And they said, what new teaching is this? Or doctrine is this? For with authority, he even, he even addresses evil spirits, and they obey him. 
Now, when Jesus arose from the dead in Matthew 28, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore. So what he is doing is he's saying, look, I have just obtained victory over the devil. I have obtained authority and now I am giving that authority to you. Here's what we often do. This is how we typically put God. The devil is after me. Get him. This is going to shock some of you, but God has done all that he's going to do about the devil until Jesus comes back. He's already defeated the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you have been given authority. So in Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul and and his group are uh, in a city. There is a girl that's following them. The Bible says she has a spirit, an evil spirit. It says a spirit of divination. The Greek says she has a python spirit. And and literally what the, the devil wants to do is like a python. He wants to wrap himself around you and squeeze the life and the blessing of God out of you. And Paul turns and says, Lord, take care of this. No. That's not what he said. That's what most of us would say. But he said, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the Bible says that spirit came out. Jesus said to his disciples, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. What he's saying is you have authority down here on earth. And what you do makes a difference. You have authority. You need to use your authority. In fact, there is no place in the New Testament where people pray to God to take care of the devil and something happens. Because he's given you authority. And God expects you and I to use the authority that he gave us. It's kind of like this. When God created man in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, 1, 2, and 3, in chapter 1, he gives him authority He says, I created him, he said, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over everything that creeps on the earth. In the Psalms, it says he gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. Genesis 3, the devil shows up. Man did not use his authority. God told him, Genesis 2.15, that you're supposed to guard and you're supposed to keep this garden and this earth. Man did not use his authority And when he did not use his authority, he lost everything. Now, then comes the Old Testament. God has covenant with Noah. He has covenant with Abraham. He has the law. There's different covenants that are going on. And people go to God and God takes care of situations. But we are back today where God has given us authority like he gave Adam authority in the beginning. And because Adam didn't use his authority, he lost everything. And you and I need to use the authority that God has given us. Remember, you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Isaiah 43, 26, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. In the courts of heaven, you need to picture the devil as the accuser of the brethren. He is the prosecuting attorney. And then you are in the middle. Really, you are. You're in the middle. 
Now you have an advocate, but you're in the middle. Your advocate is Jesus Christ, the righteous. But the Bible says in Hebrews three in verse one, that he's the high priest of your confession. He's saying what you say about the case. Little children, it says first John two, one, we've written these things that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And again, revelation 12, 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before God day and night has been cast down and they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So Satan will not just roll over because you love God, because you pray, because you read your Bible, because you're a Christian. He is going to attack. He's going to accuse. You're in a bad situation. The devil, there's sickness, poverty, confusion. The devil's going to tell you, you deserve this. You've done things wrong. And this is the result of the things that you've done wrong. And you haven't prayed enough. You haven't given enough. You haven't fasted enough. You haven't been good to your, you haven't been a good spouse. You've thought wrong thoughts. That's the reason all this stuff is happening to you. You neglected your health. You did all those dumb things, eating all that ketchup and Oreo cookies. And now look at what happened to you. And, you know, you don't deserve God's blessing. Blessings are for other people. They're not for you. That's what the devil's going to tell you. But always remember Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Having been become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus redeemed you from poverty, sickness, disease, confusion. You read the curse of the law, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Every bad thing you can think of, that's where it is. But when the enemy comes and he tells you, you deserve this, this is happening because of this or because of that, don't argue. Don't argue. But realize that the price for what you have done wrong has already been paid. The price is paid. Jesus paid in full. When he said it is finished, the payment for all of man's sin kind, of the sin of mankind was paid for. And what we need to do is we need to say the blood of Jesus has paid the price for me. The blood of Jesus redeemed me back from the penalty of everything that I did wrong. And that is typically, particularly uh, when you talk to people that in old line Pentecost or old line Methodists, They'll say, I plead the blood. Now, when, when the, you're, you're in court and the prosecuting attorney is ready to prosecute you and the judge says, how do you plead? Well, you don't say, I, I went to church. I prayed. I sang in the choir. I worked in the children's church. How many of you know that's not the reason that you've got victory? The reason you have victory is because of the blood. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. You testify what the blood of Jesus has purchased for you.
And that blood redeems you from every curse, every sickness, every disease, from depression, from confusion. You are redeemed. And we need to boldly give testimony to what the blood of Jesus has done for us. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel are about to leave Egypt. There's been nine plagues. The last plague is going to come. And Moses said to the people, every one of you on the 10th day of the month, everybody take a lamb into your house. One lamb per family. Keep it till the 14th day. As the sun sets, kill the lamb. But there was a very special way they needed to kill that lamb. They needed to slice its throat and catch the blood in a basin. And then they took the blood and they put it on the sides of their door and above their door. And God said, wherever I see the blood, I will not allow the destroying angel to come in and do any harm. Now they took that blood in the basin and they put a, 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 a herb, more like a, a plant in there, a little branch called hyssop. And they would spread the blood with the hyssop. They use the branch, but you use your tongue. You use your tongue and you plead the blood. You say what the blood of Jesus has done for you because by that blood, you're justified. You're made just as if you'd never done it. You're redeemed. You're bought back from the place that we fell due to Adam's sin. You have peace with God through the blood. You belong to God. Salvation is from the, through the blood. You're cleansed. You're washed. We have victory. We have access into heaven. All of it is through the blood. And when the accuser comes, you can say, I plead the blood. It's not because I've gone to church, read my Bible, pray, tithe, serve at a mission or whatever it is. None of that stuff will defeat the enemy. But what will defeat the enemy is the blood of Jesus. That blood will defeat the enemy. Romans 3, 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a sacrifice, a propitiation by his blood or through faith in his blood. So we need to put our faith in that blood. That, that, that blood justified and took us to a place of victory. Strong faith in the blood of Jesus always brings victory. It, over, it always brings overcoming the enemy. We have the right to use our position in Christ and to plead the blood of Jesus. When the enemy comes with accusations, when the enemy comes with depression, when the enemy comes with sickness and disease, we need to recognize we have been bought by the blood and we need to operate from that place of cleansing that we have because of the blood. When the devil speaks, we just say, I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, I'm clean, I redeemed, God qualified me for my share of the inheritance because of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says this in second, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. 
neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were washed. Revelation 1 and 5 says that Jesus washed us from our sins in his own blood. You were washed. You were sanctified. By the way, the Bible says you're sanctified by the blood. It says you were justified. It says you're justified by the blood. In the name of our Lord Jesus and the spirit of our God. When the devil tries to bring up your past, you need to bring up the blood. Bring up the blood. And somebody, by the way, somebody says, as he tries to bring up your past, you should bring up his future. Because <laughs> in Revelation 20 and verse 10 is the last time you hear about him. And it says that he is thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. And there he'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. He's the one who the Bible literally names the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who tells you you're a failure in your marriage. He's the one who's going to tell you you deserve every bad thing that comes your way. He's the accuser. He says, you, that's what you deserve. And the truth is, how many of you know, we don't deserve what God gives us. That's why it's by grace. It's by grace. And there is no way any of us are ever going to say, oh, I have been so good. I deserve the best. I've been so good. I deserve heaven. No, that's not what I deserve, but that's what I get because of the blood. Because of the blood. Our power and authority over the enemy is in the blood of the lamb. And notice it says the word of our testimony. So the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to say what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. And the fact is, Satan is attacking you illegally. Because you have been translated, the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1, out of the kingdom of darkness. Other translations say, out from under the grip of darkness. You've been taken out from under his grip. Now, now the thing of it is, the, the devil, he knows that he has no legal right. But every thief, whoever comes to steal, knows he has no legal right. And Jesus called him a thief. And that's what he is. Now, if, if, you're, if you go home tonight and as you walk in your house, there's a basket full of rattlesnakes. How many of you are just going to go, oh, rattlesnakes, that's nice. You're going to go, no, that's not where they belong. You're going to get a rake and you're going to take care of the rattlesnakes. Or maybe you'll scream and get somebody else to take care of the rattlesnakes. <laughs> but when the devil shows up, we just don't go, oh, okay. No, no, we resist him. We resist him. And our confidence is in what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. He redeemed us. He bought us back. He took us out from under the, the, the authority of the devil. And we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. God keeps his covenant. In fact, the Bible said you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. You've been redeemed. You're part of the kingdom. You're part of the family. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is the head and we are the body. And how many of you know the, 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 the head and the body, they're connected. 
The head is in one condition in the body, in another condition. The thief, he will try to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you can identify him. Look what he does. If it kills, steals, and destroys, it comes from the enemy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Life and have it abundantly. Now, Leviticus 14 talks about one of the ceremonies that the priests went through. And it says that what the, 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 would, would happen is this, that they would take and put on the ear, the right earlobe, then on the thumb, and then on the toe, they would put blood. Now, that's a representation of Jesus' blood. And then they would come and they would put oil on top of the blood, on the earlobe, on the thumb, and on the toe. Where you and I honor the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows up. Jesus shed his blood at Calvary. And then shortly thereafter, the Holy Spirit shows up on the day of Pentecost. But when we honor the blood in our lives, the Holy Spirit begins to move. In Hebrews 4 and 16, it talks about the result of Jesus' blood. It says, let us then fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners. And by the way, the throne of grace is the mercy seat. It's where the blood of Jesus has been applied. It says we can come boldly, confidently, that we may receive mercy for our failures. And we may find grace to help in good time for every need. Appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we need it. The blood of Jesus takes and supplies for our past and our present and our future. Mercy, notice it says mercy for our failures. When we sin, when we miss the mark, the blood of Jesus allows us to come boldly before God and receive the forgiveness, the cleansing that we need. But it also is there so we can have grace to help. Grace has to do with today. The help that you need today. The strength that you need today. The anointing that you need today. The wisdom that you need today. The ability that you need today. It's because of the blood that we can come and come to that mercy seat and receive forgiveness, but get what we need for today, appropriate help, well-timed help, coming when we need it. When Jesus said, it's finished, he was saying, all of our sins have been paid for. In Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. You know, you can state your case simply by saying, I plead the blood. It's not I'm not guilty because I probably did what the devil's saying I did. I probably deserve what the devil says I deserve. But you know what? Because of Jesus, I don't get what I deserve. I get what he paid for. And I can plead his blood. And that means it's already been paid for. 
If you're in a restaurant, in fact, somebody was, just on the way in was telling me today. They went out to, to, to eat the snoon, and when it was time to pay the bill, somebody else had paid it. Now, because somebody else paid, they don't need to pay, right? Because it's already paid for. Whatever wrong you and I have done, whatever just recompense we should have because of what we have done wrong, Jesus paid for with his blood. And when I say I plead the blood, I'm not saying I'm not guilty. I'm just saying he already paid for it. And his blood is speaking for me. And his blood is saying forgiveness, mercy, favor, deliverance, healing, whatever I need, his blood is speaking on my behalf. And I need to put myself in agreement with what he is speaking about me. He is the high priest of my confession. And I need to be saying what he says. Now, the New Testament is not just about the blood bringing forgiveness for us. There is so much more that the blood of Jesus has done for you and for me. In fact, the book of Hebrews is a book of contrasts. Let me just give you a few. The book of Hebrews contrasts Moses with Jesus. It contrasts the law with grace. It contrasts the high priest Aaron with Jesus. It contrasts the blood of goats and bulls with the blood of Jesus. It contrasts an earthly tabernacle that was made with men's hands with a heavenly tabernacle that was made without anybody's hands. It contrasts the Old Testament to the New Testament. And let me just say, this is what it says. It says, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. So he took away the Old Testament, the old way of getting right with God, that he could establish the new. It, it uh, literally sets the Levitical priesthood on one side and the priesthood of Melchizedek, or Jesus, on the other side. It contrasts the blood of Abel with the blood of Jesus. It contrasts Mount Zion with Mount Sinai. It, it contrasts temporary reprieve of sin with eternal salvation. And what Jesus purchased for us was eternal redemption, eternal salvation, and complete, 100% complete salvation. That's all through his blood. And what we need to do is overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We need to say what the blood has purchased. And when the liar, the accuser of the brethren comes, we just need to say, I plead the blood. It's not that I don't deserve what came. It's not that I'm not guilty. It's not that I didn't do it, but it's already been paid for. And I plead the blood. And any recompense the devil thinks he's going to give me is wrong. And the recompense I'm going to get, the Bible says that God the Father has qualified you for your inheritance, share of the inheritance of the saints in light. And again, David just begins to tell us what they are when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's just the beginning of some of those benefits that we have. Not that we've earned them ourselves because we didn't. 
But the father qualified us through the blood of Jesus. And when the accuser says, you don't deserve that, you just need to say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Well, let's uh, have a little confession before we, clean, before we end tonight. We just repeat this with me. The blood of Jesus purges me from every defilement of the enemy. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, over my mind, over my thoughts, over my past, over my future. When the devil tells me I'm guilty, I don't argue. I plead the blood. I am not guilty. I am not condemned. Because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Devil, Devil. take your hands off my children. children. You'll not have my marriage. You'll not not have my body. I win my case case. by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Jesus cleanses me me. from sin in all its forms. The blood of Jesus purges my conscience. From dead works to serve the living God. Through the blood of Jesus, I am being perfected in every good work to do the will of God. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. My faith is in the blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed, and every eye closed. If, if you can, if it's possible, would you take the hand of somebody that's near you? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.